As the world of artificial intelligence continues to evolve, it's increasingly evident that the AI tools are rapidly changing the way we work and develop relations and community building. Tools like ChatGPT and GitHub Copilot are transforming the landscape of our work by automating tedious tasks and repetitive work, providing valuable insights and analytics, and even helping generate content on our behalf. However, the integration of AI into our industry also raises new questions. Can AI truly enhance the work of our DevRel practitioners and allow us to focus on different challenges, or will it end up diminishing our creativity and impact on supporting developers? How do we make sure AI is used ethically and responsibly, and what impact will it have on the future of not only DevRel, but software development in general? Join us as we explore the exciting world of AI and developer relations on this episode of The Community Pulse. You're listening to the Community Pulse podcast. Welcome your host, Mary Thangval, Jason Hand, PJ Haggerty, and Wesley Faulkner. Welcome back to another episode of the Community Pulse. Today, we're excited to speak with two amazing guests who have a ton of expertise to share with us today, Krista Mars and Rizelle Scarlett. Welcome to the show. Let's hear from each of you, starting with Rizelle. Rizelle, uh, before we get started, could you please give us a little bit of an introduction about yourself? Sure. Also, thanks for having me on the show. I'm super excited. Um, but yeah, my name is Rizelle. I'm a junior developer advocate at GitHub. I've been here since September 2021 and super like pumped and like excited about Copilot. I always try to do advocacy for it because it's something that at first I was like, what, what is this? I'm not really into it. But then I really like found um, the love for it and how it helped me. Um, before that, I was a software engineer for a bit. And yeah, that's me. All right, Chris. Tell us about yourself. Hey, y'all. Thanks for having me. And uh, I have to give a shout out to PJ, uh, my, my homeboy in Buffalo, for asking me to be on this with y'all. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, my name's Chris. I'm a developer advocate lead at Split, Split Software. Uh, Split is a feature management and experimentation platform. I've been there since September. And I talk about accessibility and CSS and started talking about feature flags and A-B testing and testing and production and all that fun stuff. So yeah, stoked to be here. All right. Glad yeah. to have you both here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, very, very happy to have you both. Thank you. I, I would like to start with our first question, um, which is kind of like level setting for people who aren't super like familiar with tools like ChatGPT and Copilot. Um, let's go with you, Chris. Can you tell us a little bit about how these tools are used in DevRel and DevRel communities? Yeah, so I think, especially like in the chat GPT side, you know, I have a writing background and I'm a published author. I mean, it's been a long time since I've been a published author. We can say in quotes, published author. Um, but even with my writing background, you know, trying to come up with conference talks and titles, like you might be super passionate about a topic like I'm when I when I put a new talk together like I'm really passionate about it I feel like people really need to know about this or if people have like a misconception about something that I'm passionate about like I want to be able to drop that knowledge on them and you know a lot of the times I have trouble trying to come up with like a good abstract like at least like four sentences right and even with that writing background it's still it's hard to come up with something because you don't want to take too long writing an abstract 
but you also don't want to just like just off the cuff, you know, do it from whatever. Yeah, they call and it the usually, burden of you know, knowledge. You know too much about it, so it's hard to distill it into a small right. Small and bit. you know, you don't you don't write the title before you write the abstract. So I I found myself because I saw somebody else do it. I was like, oh, this damn like Chat GPT can actually like put together like a really nice, intelligent sounding conference talk. Let me try this. So I did it. I said, you know, I, I asked Chat GPT to like uh, give me five abstracts, conference abstracts on technology a plus technology b and it spit it out for me and i read through them and i was like oh wow like these are really these are really powerful like this is way better than the stuff i could write and then i had it generate titles for those and it was like it's super clever because i'm really like big into clever titles and being a conference like i you know being a conference organizer in the past and being on selection committees currently like i'm always looking for a catchy title and it did that i was like oh this is pretty sweet so if you struggle with writing, I think ChatGPT can definitely help out in that sense when it comes to creating abstracts for conferences. Right on. Rizal? Yeah. Um, I think AI tools are just having a really big impact in DevRel communities. And I say this because, like, okay, when I was a software engineer, I was like, wow, I would love to be a developer. Like, I still love it. But, like, I had this different image of, like, what being a developer advocate would be. I'm like, I'm sp I'll am spend all my days just learning and teaching. And, like, it's just going to be so fun. I'll have all this time to absorb all this knowledge and be able to create all this content. And even though I kind of do, I kind of don't have all that time because it's, like, I have to do like this podcast and then right after this, I have to do a stream and then people are, are like, you complaining oh. about being on this podcast? On no. this podcast? Just checking. <laughs> I'm happy to be on this podcast, <laughs> but I, I think I, I miss, I miss um, imagined or mis envisioned. I don't even know if that's a word, but I didn't envision like how, how busy it would be and like how less time I would have to really sit down and like, like how Chris was saying, like write an abstract or write, write a blog post or something like that especially like when we're going from conference to conference so i think like tool ai tools like these are really helpful in us like getting the work done faster and more efficiently and then without us losing our creativity because sometimes when you're like oh i gotta do this really quickly you like kind of sometimes don't put in all the effort that you need to so i'm not saying i'm mad at being on this podcast i'm excited but i want to be able to give my 100 percent everything and i i can't because i'm one human so i feel like ai tools have been helpful in like allowing me to be able to like give a little bit more you know <laughs> one of the uh the things we were just talking about before we went live was <clears throat> if we uh, I, you know those are great examples of how um the the tooling was you know chat gpt specific specifically is so great at just sort of unblocking us for certain creative tasks just like chris is describing um i've used it for similar stuff like i've been doing a lot of work in youtube shorts and sometimes i'm just feeling less creative than than usual and it's um i'm sort of um when it when it comes to creativity i i enjoy working in groups and like brainstorming and i feel like uh even though my team has often been busy and unable to sit down and have those creative sessions with me, I, I still have something I can now rely on uh, to at least give me some options to think about, which has been a great experience. And I think, you know, the, the obvious first use case that comes to mind for those creative experiences 
our blog post titles, tweets, things that, you know, it's just, it's, you're really trying to like win the attention of algorithms uh, in SEO. And sometimes it's better to rely on, on a machine learning model to help you figure those things out. Uh, however, in just the, um, you know, little time that ChatGPT has been out there and been used, I've seen books now written um, in, with ChatGPT being, uh, you know, a, I'm sure a big contributor to the, to the text that's in there. Uh, Chris, to Chris's point, it's now showing, they're showing up in um, a lot of conference talk submissions. And I guess where I ultimately want to go with this is we can see the benefit as content creators trying to put some submissions out, CFPs and that kind of thing. But also me as a person who has, uh, you know, put on plenty of events and done a lot of um, reading of said submissions, we're now looking at a situation where we have just um, a lot more to go through to like figure out are these uh, talks, you know, what we want in our program, you know, does this fit the content and the theme and everything else? And you used to go from like seeing two or three from a person being submitted, assuming that there's no limits, um, to now it you can submit as many as you want. And, it, and it's just creating this picture, I think, where a lot of conference organizers are um, a little bit stuck on what to do with this. You know, we'd love to hear more. And, you know, maybe sometimes it is just a matter of, of language and how it's described in the abstract or a catchy title, like Chris said, like that goes a long way. I have used very catchy titles specifically to catch the eyes of the CFP um, people that are reading it. So, uh, let's start with Rizelle. I, I would love to hear your thoughts on, is this a problem for uh, our industry where we now are are just creating so much content? It's hard to get through all of it. And um, yeah, so let's just start with that. Wait, can I clarify on your question? Are you saying, yeah. um, is, is chat GPT harming all the content that we're putting out? Or are you saying, or do we have too much content on our plate? Just want to make sure. I think from, from my perspective is if I'm now um, going to be reading uh, a lot of submissions mm -hmm. is, should I put some limits on either? I don't want any of them to be submitted with chat GPT's assistance or now do I just have to put a, a numerical limit on how many people, on how many submissions I I take, I guess. Gotcha. I don't, in my opinion, it's not, uh, chat GPT is great. I love, yeah. I love using it, but I also recognize that you, we can now, um, put out X in whatever variable you want content, uh, at a much faster clip, uh, which still at the end of the day requires humans to consume. Um, yeah. and it just seems like it's creating an off balance situation. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad. I'm glad I got clarity. I just didn't want to start rambling on a completely different topic. <laughs> You're free to do that as well. <laughs> but um, I, I think with these AI tools, there needs to be a certain amount of balance. I've never been a conference organizer, so I don't know. And even without ChatGPT, I, I push the limit of so sorry, conference organizers. If you say I could submit 10 talks, I'm submitting all 10 and hoping you pick one of them, which probably is not the best practice. So sorry. But even without like chat GPT and stuff like that, I was already doing that. But I do think and even when I talk about Copilot, there needs to be a balance of like how much you're inserting yourself in there and then how much you're using the tool. Because um, for example, you can just use Copilot and keep tabbing and keep letting it auto suggest things to you, but sometimes it might not be completely correct. So you can't completely rely on that. You want to make sure you're double checking what it's suggesting. You still have to use your own law. No, not what am I trying to say? 
logic and knowledge to actually make sure it works and make sure it's doing the right flow that you want and it's not introducing any like vulnerabilities same thing with chat gpt um i don't really use it like everyone's like they use it to write all these blog posts and stuff like that i've used like copilot and chat gpt to write blog posts before and i've noticed that like less people want to read them like i'm i'm i feel really strong in my writing skill and i really like my my writing style and i think other people do too so I think that using when I rely too heavily on AI tools it removes my my voice and the way I would present things so I think it's good in like idea generation and leading me in the right direction but not for it to completely remove like who I am and what I bring to the table as a developer advocate because um, we always talk about DevRel is about authenticity and stuff like that if we're just relying on these AI tools it takes away that that authenticity. So maybe as a conference organizer, yeah, maybe we should say like some kind of limitations. Like, yeah, you can use ChatGPT for like idea generation or helping you with your title, but don't rely too heavily. Like just to like, like a little warning, don't rely too heavily on it for the abstract and stuff like that. I don't know. I'm not a conference organizer, so... This is great. Uh, Chris, what, what about you? Got any thoughts on if you put on your uh, event organizer hat, has to look through all these submissions now? Yeah. I think, so I think this would go, I, I would say that there could be like a couple of disadvantages to this, right? One being like Rizal was saying, like if you're going to accept a bunch of CFPs, I'm going to submit everything I have. And hopefully one of those gets picked. Now, not all of them are going to be written in, jet, or in chat GPT, but Still, like, if you don't put a cap on it, then that's a lot of content to go through. Um, I think it would make sense for conferences, especially now with ChatGPT, maybe putting a limit. Like, you can only submit three or you can only submit five because then that will bring that down. But also, <laughs> I could see it as a disadvantage to people that are submitting talks that don't use ChatGPT, that are writing it on their own. Because now you've got a handful of these talks that are probably amazing and they sound amazing because they're written with AI and then you have all these other talks that are written, you know, off, you know, off the brain and it might sway conference organizers one way or the other picking talks that are only written like the abstracts are only coming from chat GPT opposed to somebody that's just writing them with, you know, the, the, the knowledge of writing that they have. So I could see the disadvantages of both ways, but then also, you know, conference organizers could say, listen, if you are submitting a talk with chat GPT, we're not going to accept it. And we'll be able to tell, like, there's a clear distinction between something I would have written myself and something chat GPT could have written, because then you get that voice, like Rizal was saying, your voice comes through in your, in your abstract, your style, the way you talk is going to be translated into words. So conference organizers could do that too. So I could see a handful of different disadvantages with it, which I've never actually thought of prior to this conversation. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, we're all trying to learn and we're thinking through this because we're all figuring it out. It's very, very new. And I think the conversation, at least the context of it, has been a lot about as DevRel professionals, how we use it to do our job to kind of eliminate some of the steps to make things easier. I'm wondering from the content content consumption end, like end users, how do you feel that we can use these tools 
um, for maybe efficiently uh, like choosing to make content more accessible for people trying to understand something. For instance, I know like um, I, if you're able to say like, show me a video on how to use, I don't know, Ruby on Rails or Go uh, in the style that I like to learn uh, or um, I know that a lot of search engines are going to be incorporating it and say, tell me the top three ways of doing certain X and Y and Z. GPT and other tools like that and using AI will at least give me a way to consume and learn in a way that is, um, I would say, conducive to the way that works better for me. Do you feel that in your roles of a way to making that or exposing that type of interface to help people um, kind of consume whatever content that you're creating as well. Um, and we ended with Chris, so let's start with Roselle. Oh, dang it. I was like, let Chris go first. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me see. So we're saying from the consumption end, how do we make this, how do we use AI to make things more accessible for other people? Yeah, like building it into your docs. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, sometimes you want code snippets, sometimes you want an exhaustive, like before a recipe where the rest of potatoes are like raised yeah. and grown and why they have developed over time before you get to the recipe. Some people like that. Some people just want the recipe. So like, do you feel that that is, there's an opportunity to incorporate that stuff into a way that people can now like choose to consume content? Yeah, actually, now that you bring up the doc stuff, um, I've seen that the Astro team, um, who like created this um, framework called Astro, basically they developed an AI or an AI tool called Houston AI. And basically what happens is like you type in the chat of Houston AI and you ask it questions um, about Astro and it searches through the documentation and helps like return um, like solutions for people. And I think that's such an amazing thing because especially when I was like learning to code back in 2018 documentation looked really scary to me and confusing so why not have a um an option for it to be more conversational where you're like hey how do you do this with astro um like how do you handle front matter and stuff like that rather than like reading through these documentation it'll return like the results to you in a more conversational way so i do think there's more opportunities for other projects to do something similar and make um like reading documentation more accessible for folks um but that's that's like the one example i could think of i'm not sure <laughs> Of other That's things. awesome. I yeah. mean, and you even said the word read documentation. So it'd be nice if it does text to speech and gives audio prompts for those who may have visual impairments. So this is definitely could be a way of accessing something in a different format. Yeah. Um, that, oh, so wait. Awesome. And I would be remiss, sorry to interrupt you, to not mention, hey, GitHub. <laughs> like, um, I don't know if y'all are familiar with it, but Copilot has like a voice activated, like, version where um like you can be like hey github type this out for me and now we've updated even more where it could be more conversational you could you could type in the little hey github thing and be like hey can you help me figure out how to do this or you can speak it out to to hey github so that's also another option that's amazing what about you chris how do you do you see any ways that this could make it easier for user to consume technical content yeah so coming from the accessibility space um i think I think that's really good. So like our, our help docs at split, 
really robust, a lot, a lot of great information there. But any docs, like anything, like if you can type in a search bar, you know, you know, help me find this or give me like uh, a code snippet for that. The one thing you don't, the one thing you don't want to do is make your user think, right? And your user is going to be the developer or anybody that's just reading the docs, right? And it, in the accessibility piece of that too, is like, I don't know about you, but if I'm trying to look for something in a doc space, I get really like my anxiety gets a little higher if I can't find what I'm looking for, I get frustrated and I don't understand something. Um, and then, you know, I, then I'll get distracted and then the ADA, the ADHD piece will kind of fall into that. We want to try to eliminate all of that stuff because when we talk about accessibility, we're not just talking about visual hearing, mobility, cognitive, and temporary. We're also talking about hidden impairments. And a lot of times that's overlooked And two big pieces of that are anxiety in ADHD. And if we can eliminate that when it comes to searching and reading in like the docs space, I think that's extremely powerful. And I think that should be baked into more docs um, across all different types of organizations and, and, you know, products and projects. Yeah. Keep you from going to a forum and someone calling you stupid. If you know, it's a, like, it's an automated support system that you can kind of reduce your anxiety knowing that someone's not going to say you should have known this already or oh you're a noob so yeah that's definitely a really good point i know for me you know much to what everybody's already saying like docs sometimes are just scary you go look at them and you're like uh where do i start and my eyes dart to the biggest boldest text first so I, even though like somebody went to a lot of effort to put in a, a really great intro or summary of like what I'm about to find in this doc, I almost immediately find myself halfway down the page. And that's just the way my brain works when I go to read. So then I find myself skimming and scrolling and not finding exactly what I want, you know, as quickly as I can. So I think this is a great use case where um, we can start looking at the consumption of our, our technical documentation um, and retrieving that that documentation in different ways. I know Kit, you know, Copilot does some interesting things around that as well, like suggesting some different, uh, you know, code snippets or whatever. Chat GTP, GPT does the same thing, and it'll even tell you, like, try to explain the code to you. You know, here's what it, this is going to do, which I think also helps. Um, and you know, docs in general, um, they they go stale, and I think that that that's another area too that that maybe this could help is. It takes a it takes some effort for a person to go back and review docs, you know, from even a year ago, and and make sure that this, what well, you know, the screenshots on here are still current because we're always changing the UI. Like, there's just docs are hard to stay fresh. And I think anybody who's been you know around uh, DevRel and been involved in technical technical documentation, creating it and reading it, have run into frustration with docs. Um, another area I kind of want to pivot to and talk about before we run out of time is. This this idea of metrics. Uh, anybody in DevRel has had a conversation, lots of conversations. How do we how do we show our impact? What are we doing? Um, is it working? Uh, all all those types of things. And aside, I don't want to get into the merits of what metrics are good and what what aren't valuable within our industry. Uh, but one of the first use cases I I had with ChatGPT was to report out on a project that I'm doing, and that required me you know, doing some collecting of, of different numbers and crunching some numbers and then putting that into a summary and sending that out in an email. And I will say ChatGPT cut the time in, you know, into a fraction of what it normally would take me to do that. And a lot of that was nothing more than copying and pasting 
uh, some data out of cells and uh, and asking it to tell me, what does this mean? Uh, how can I explain this to my team uh, in a simpler way that makes sense? I'm wondering, have either of you thought about this side of the conversation? What, you know, we, chat GPT, of course, is just one, but there's a lot of AI tools out there um, that are trying to sort of shortcut some of the things that we either don't like doing, it's not our strength, um, or uh, it's just difficult in general. Sharing numbers and, and, and metrics is hard. I'm wondering what, we'll start with Chris this time, what um, we should be thinking about uh, with within AI and how can we help it tell our story and be advocates for us and to like share what's going on within our communities. Um, Chris. I've never even thought about doing that. So whatever strategy strategy you're using, uh, hook that up to your boy because I need to figure that out too. Because like <laughs> I'm using Orbit and like just trying to pull from a bunch of places that I can't track with the Orbit plan that we're using, right? So yeah, uh, that's, I mean, I like that. Like if you could just give chat GPT all these numbers and say, put this metrics report together for me, whatever, and be able to take that, consume that for yourself and then hand that out. Like that's, to me, that's super powerful because that takes a lot of the guesswork out of it, right? Because now you're not, you're, you're not having to go through uh, tool A and tool B and then like search for Twitter spaces that you did just to get the insights and the metrics on those. And that can be a pain. Uh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't really thought about that. It sounds slick. It sounds like a slick, slick move. So you need to hook your boy up with uh, <laughs> your process for that. Well, first of all, I wouldn't recommend putting anything into chat, into anybody else's tools that might not um, need to go there. You know, uh, any of the numbers that I'm sharing are basically public numbers. There's nothing uh, under NDA type of thing. So I don't want to advocate for, for putting, publishing your metrics into somebody else's system. Uh, but Rizal, what about you? What are your thoughts on on how can AI help us um, share the story of what's going on? I'm going to echo Chris. I didn't even consider this as an option, but it sounds amazing. Like, I would love to use AI to help me better track my metrics because I don't even really know what I'm doing with my metrics. I'm just like, cool, people viewed it. I, I think it's going good. So, Yeah. <laughs> This this has been a great conversation, and I I just want to take a quick temperature check before we move to the our checkouts. Um, and so, just really quickly, just we've we've talked about ChatGPT, we've talked about AI, we've talked about using it as a tool, we talked about assisting people, we've talked about even like giving us um, tools to help our job, but we've also been talking about consuming or like consuming it, but not it be consumed by it. So how would you feel? I mean, we all do a lot of public facing work. How would you feel if you are part of the training set, you're part of the training data and someone else is using things that are derived from your work? Just temperature check quickly. Roselle, what do you think? How would you feel? I feel okay with it. I don't know. My, my, my perspective is like, I'm in open source. And I want to share my knowledge with people. And part of sharing my knowledge with people is them seeing my work. That's how I learned from people is like, I looked at their talks or their abstracts and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, that's how they do it. I'm going to kind of copy until I find my own style. So I'm okay with it. That's awesome. What about you, Chris? What if, what if someone submits an abstract that looks like you wrote it? Ooh, so 
<laughs> now you now you now you're getting into a whole other world of mine. So I, I'm cool with it. <clears throat> That's fine and dandy. But I'm very much into the paranormal ufology and cryptozoology world too, right? And so there's always talks about other people living your life in like a different dimension. And I saw a meme the other day. Uh, and, and trigger warning: This might be a little dark, but not. It probably isn't a little dark or dark at all. Um, if if like when we pass onto the world, the next world, wherever that is, but it's actually just somebody taking off the VR set and saying, how was that? And the person taking off is like, wow, that was awesome. And they might've only been doing it for like two hours. Right. But they lived your life that whole entire time. Right. And now they can take that and move on with everything that they've learned from you. So you're getting into like a, a very weird space and, and weird is a, is a compliment. If you do the etymology of the word weird, it's actually a compliment. I love being told I'm weird. It's a compliment to me. But yeah, you're getting into a whole other dimensional category, and I'm I'm fully on board. Let's rock and roll with it. Um. So I, I just want to make a quick comment on that. I guess anything. Well, Rizal, do you have anything else that you want to add on this one? Okay, before I jump in here, great. Um. So Wes and I have talked about this a number of times because as we were planning this episode, and this is this is one big part of it. Uh, I know. Uh, I've been in in and adjacent uh, around the AI sort of space now for a few years uh, in a lot of my previous projects, and it always comes up about being, uh, you know, responsible and and ethical with our AI practices and, and what we're doing. And I think this kind of speaks to the heart of that. A lot of us want to make sure that um, you know we're we're doing doing right by everybody else with a lot of this stuff. And some 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 of it is uh, I think it's a little bit personal when we do put our content out there under the badge of our company. That's one thing. When we put stuff out there under just um, our own persona and our own personal, um, you know, world experiences, DevRel experiences, whatever you know you want us to talk about. Um, it does raise these questions of you know is this content mine? Um, is it somebody else's? Is it just like you said, Rizal, I never thought of it that way, but I do think I'm an open source human being. Like I wouldn't be doing things like this show and wouldn't be in this industry at all if I, if I wasn't really just driven on helping and putting out as much information as I can, you know, tearing down all the walls and removing the gatekeepers and um, let's all just sort through this together. Um, I don't necessarily have a problem with um, the natural language models pulling in my uh, my content, my ideas. Uh, now, the one thing I have thought about, though, is I think there's a difference between putting out things that is uh, more of an opinion of mine. A lot of the things we talk about on here uh, will get into more of opinion rather than just objective reality. Uh, but I think when it comes to like sharing content about how I built something, you know, if there's architectural designs or uh, I've you know just built some piece of software somewhere somehow somehow, and I've showed people how I did that. That's there's not a lot of opinion in there. You know, you know, I might have some thoughts about why I made certain architectural decisions, but at the end of the day, I put that out there, uh, hoping, expecting people to do to do something with it. And I think if if um, these new tools make it easier for that that material to be consumed or found and used, then that's um, that's to all of our advantages. Um, and so. Uh, let the machines have it as far as I'm concerned. Uh, that's sort of the point of this uh, position in general. So as long as they're not uh, twisting the truth and um, leading people astray and, make, and making people make bad decisions that harm others, I think that's kind of the main thing we have to watch for. Yeah. I Plus like, one. 
Yeah. And I like how you brought up being like responsible AI because I do how see how it could affect other creators differently. Like artists, they're not necessarily putting out their art for people to learn like we are. They're putting it out to like make sales and stuff like that. So I can see how um, it's harmful and how AI creators should be more careful with that type of stuff. Just wanted to put that out there. Yeah, that's great. Well, listen, uh, we are just about out of time for this episode. I feel like we're just scratching the surface on this, this subject. So um, I appreciate both of you being here, Roselle and Chris, uh, to, to share your experience. I feel you know like we're going to have to get you back on soon and uh, do some more talking about these things. So, But why don't we switch gears here and start talking about some of the checkouts. Um, we do this at the end of every episode where we have uh, a little bit of time baked in to just share some of the things that are uh, on our top of mind, both as hosts and guests of the show, um, within the realm of the, the, the podcast. So some things might be related to AI, some things might not. So, uh, why don't we just go around and, uh, starting with Brazil, uh, you want to share with our audience, anything that's top of mind that you'd like to put out there? Yeah. First, I want to share this stream that James Q quick was hosting. Um, he was featuring Corey Weathers and they were talking about, developer relations for black developers I thought it was an interesting topic I'd even consider the fact that maybe DevRel is done differently for black developers or that we should so definitely check that out I thought it was a good conversation I almost didn't show up to this podcast because it, it got me um and then also there's this book called Finding Me by Viola Davis I usually I'm not super into like books written by celebrities but it's really well written really deep and it really shows her growth from like how she started out, like being poor, even like living with rats and stuff like that. And then eventually like getting what her dream was. And then also I made a discord recently um, for black develop for black professionals in DevRel or people or black folks looking to get into DevRel. So definitely check that out if you're black and About Chris, what about you? You want to share some things with us? Yeah, I got a couple things. Um, so I wanted to share a article, and you can definitely just if you go to Split, uh, Split's website, split.io/blog, you can find it there. Uh, it is called Three Ways Feature Flags Could Have Saved Jurassic Park." If you are a Jurassic Park fan or a Jurassic World fan, I love the whole entire franchise, except for JP three. That was uh, kind of meh. Uh, but it's a great article written by uh, our director of demand gen, Elizabeth George at Split. Really, really cool article on um, feature flags and, and how it could have saved Jurassic Park. So if you're a fan of JP, you'll definitely dig that article. And then um, I'm also going to be on the road here in the next couple months. So if anybody wants to come hang out and kick it, go to a talk, um, I will be, I'm actually speaking at a local meetup here in Michigan uh, in a couple weeks in Southfield. Uh, but I'll also be at Orlando Code Camp in March. I will be at Dev Nexus in Atlanta, Georgia in April. And in May, I'm going to be speaking at Chain React in Portland, Oregon. So come hang out if you can. Excellent. All right. Uh, Wes, let's hear yours. So, of course, uh, as a lot of people are, especially in our space, have transitioned over to Mastodon. And that moves into 
figuring out what you can and can't do there, but also what tools you have available to kind of use Mastodon and make it easier to interact with people. And so I've, I've tried different tools here and there. I've tried Toot. Um, there's Ice Cubes there's out there. There's a lot of different tools. One that I like that is web-based is Elk. So there's Elk Alpha. They're just still developing it. And it tastes kind of like the web interface for Mastodon, but makes it prettier. And it feels a little bit easier to use and more approachable than using the default Mastodon web client. Because I think a lot of people experience Mastodon differently when they move to a mobile client. But this is a little bit different, but experiencing Mastodon using a different web client. So if you go to elk.zone, you can now use your login for other any server you're on and see this new kind of interface. And they also make a PWA version of it. So you can actually use it on mobile um, as a mobile application. So I like that type of experimentation and usage of Mastodon for those who are just relatively new to it and want to try different ways of experiencing it. The other thing is more on topic on brand for this episode is the chat GPT cheat sheet. Uh, and I think We've heard of ChatGPT used to write abstracts, and we also used it to do code snippets. Um, I've used it for Excel formulas and creation, but you can also use it for um, like putting words into tables or doing sentiment analysis. So there's different ways that you can use ChatGPT that may not be immediately apparent because you have just a prompt. And so this ChatGPT cheat sheet is really great to just kind of explore the different ways that you could use it. So those are my two picks. Awesome. Great stuff. Uh, great stuff, everybody. And yeah, I got a few things I want to share too. But first, let me just say, because uh, I, I just want to, uh, this has been so great to talk to both of you, Chris and Rizelle. Thank you for being here. Um, obviously, this is a very topical, current topic, I guess. Uh, everybody seems to be talking about falling over G chat GPT these days. But also Get GitHub Coke. Copilot, I think, is really rad, too. And we didn't spend nearly enough time talking about that. Uh, one of the links I'm going to share in the resources, you just go to the website to grab it, is this article I thought that was really good, uh, titled Eight Things You Didn't Know You Could Do With GitHub Copilot. Um, I think, um, you know, The blog post I wrote, sorry. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. I, th I thought it might be. Um, it, it was a couple of weeks ago when I, when I read through it and I threw it in my notes um, and then haven't pulled it back up since then until today, but uh, I remembered it being one of the best ones I'd seen. So anyway, thank you for that. Um, the other piece uh, reading material I want to share is not related to AI. Uh, it's just something I've been reading uh, on my own. Uh, it's called Platonic, um, How the Science of Attachment Can Help You Make and Keep Friends. Uh, I think uh, this this book is just a great read in general for you know um, everybody. It's always important to understand our own attachment styles and how those play roles in um, in our relationships and including our work relationships and uh, all of them. So uh, I, I'm a, I'm a sucker for, you know, science explaining why I am the way I am uh, in lots of ways. And so this is one of those uh, that I wanted to put out there. The, uh, the other thing I've got a, a number of other articles, I won't go through them all, but they will be in the show notes or in our, in our blog post uh, that goes out with the, with the recording. But I did also, lastly, want to just mention that there's an, an event coming up for anybody who might be in the Denver, Boulder area or front range of Colorado, that's where I am, uh, called the Learning from Incidents Conference. Uh, that'll take place, um, I believe it's the 15th and 16th of next week from when we're recording right now. So February um, 15th and 16th, Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, tickets are still available. Uh, I 
am not sure if I will be there. I unfortunately um, suffered uh, an ankle injury this week and uh, will be undergoing surgery next week. So the timing is bad for me to be there. Um, but a lot of my friends are going to be there. So I'm kind of uh, torn on whether or not I can try to go right before surgery. We shall see. Uh, with that, Wesley, I want to hand it back to you to uh, take us from here. Now, I, I know we're missing PJ from this episode and, of course, Mary, but usually we end with a quote that PJ supplies and reads that is usually for a rap lyric. And I thought because of the subject matter of what we're talking about that, um, and of course the timing, we should keep in mind uh, the ethics and the, the things that we're trying to do as we explore these new tools and how we can make them more accessible uh, to all types of people. So my quote is, we have before us the glorious opportunity to inject a new dimension of love into our veins of our civilization, which I think is something that we can think about when we're using these tools. And that quote is from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. It being Black History Month, I thought it would more be appropriate. Uh, I'd like to thank our guests for being on the show. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and your experience. And I want to invite anyone who has feedback about ChatGPT and how it's changing your career to tell us and let us know. And we'll incorporate it. Until next time, thank you for joining us here at the Community Pulse, and we'll see you next month. You've been listening to the Community Pulse. Find out more at communitypulse.io, on Twitter at community underscore pulse, or anywhere you get your favorite podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, check out our extra podcast, The After Pulse. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the